First, let me clarify the dialogue for these podcasts. When you hear me say, God was like or God said, and if it's in the female voice, it is what I would say if I were God. Keep in mind that I have a vivid imagination, but I do not profess to know what God thinks. I just think that my dialogue makes the story a little spicy with a splash of sarcasm. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get started. We left off with, Saul was anointed by Samuel. Samuel gives Saul a list of prophetic events that took place on his journey home. Saul's uncle is being nosy, and he asks about the conversation Saul had with Samuel. He would find out what was said soon enough. We start in 1 Samuel chapter 10 verses 17 through 27. Verse 17 Then Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah. Mizpah is mentioned several times. It means a watch post or witness tower. In Genesis, chapter 31, we see where the term Mizpah originated. The story is as follows. Both Laban and Jacob were deceitful and conniving. Laban treated Jacob like a slave and changed his wages ten times. God decided that it was the appointed time for Jacob to go back home to his father, Isaac. He had repaid his father-in-law many times over what he owed him. Jacob left in the middle of the night with his family and possessions. God warned Laban in a dream to let Jacob go. Still, he chased after him. Laban caught up with Jacob in Gale. Both Laban and Jacob made a pact over the pile of rocks and called it Mizpah. It symbolized their covenant with each other and they asked God to watch over one another while they were apart. First book of Samuel chapter 10 verse 18 and said to the children of Israel, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all kingdoms and from those who oppressed you. Verse 19 But you have today rejected your God, who himself saved you from all your adversities and your tribulations, and you have said to him, No, set a king over us. Now therefore, Present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. Verse 20 And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. Some versions of the Bible state that the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. The term Lot was either two sticks or stones called Urim and Thummim. In Exodus chapter 28 verse 30 Aaron, the high priest, at that time, wore the stones in his chest plate and used them to make decisions that usually required a yes or no answer. The stones or sticks were only used when the priest had difficulty determining the will of God. Some say one stone and or one stick was painted white and the other black. Stones were kept over the priest's heart in order that he would continually glorify the Lord. Verse 21 When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was chosen. And Saul the son of Kish was chosen. But when they sought him, he could not be found. Verse 22 Therefore, they inquired of the Lord further, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, There he is, hidden among the equipment. The people turned to God and said we've looked everywhere for him, but can't find him. They were stumped. God said, That fool is over there behind the equipment. Verse 23 So they ran and brought him from there, and when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. Verse 24 And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen, that there is no one like him among all the people? So all the people shouted and said, Long live the king. Long live the king or queen is a chant that is still used today. It is chanted to usher out the old monarchy and welcome the new. Verse 25 Then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord.
And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. Samuel anointed Saul, privately. Now he needed to anoint him publicly. The behavior of royalty is how the monarchy should conduct itself in a relationship with the covenant of God. Samuel placed the book inside the sanctuary. It was a witness to other deities and since kings were considered gods, that is gods with a small g, it had to be witnessed by them as well. Verse 26 And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and valiant men went with him, whose hearts God had touched. Verse 27 But some rebels said, How can this man save us? So they despised him, and brought him no presents. But he held his peace. Isn't that just like people? One day they are chanting, Long live the king. The next day they are asking, How can this man save us? God chose honorable and heroic men that feared him to go with Saul. Saul said nothing to the people who opposed him. He thought, I'll show them. 1 Samuel chapter 11 verses 1 through 15. Verse 1 The Naash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead, and all the men of Jabesh said to Naash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve you. Lot and his two daughters escaped the destruction of Sodom. They ran to the hills and hid in a cave. There weren't any men around to procreate, they decided to have sex with their father to continue their lineage. The sisters got Lot drunk and had sex with him. The youngest sister had a son from her father and named him Ben-Ami. This is where Ammonites originated. Verse 2 And Naash the Ammonite answered them, On this condition I will make a covenant with you, that I may put out all your right eyes, and bring reproach on all Israel. The Ammonites surrounded Jabesh. King Naash planned to gouge out all the right eyes of the soldiers. He really didn't want to fight, it cost too much money to fight, and besides he didn't know if had enough muscle on his side to win. Gouging the soldier's right eye out would render the soldier impotent. They carried their shield in their left hand and used their right to fight. With their left eye blocked by the shield and their right eye gouged, they couldn't see. Verse 3 Then the elders of Jabesh said to him, Hold off for seven days, that we may send messengers to all territory of Israel. And then, if there is no one to save us, we will come out to you. The elders asked for seven days to hold off the Ammonites until they could seek help. Verse 4 So the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul and told the news in the hearing of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. Gibeah was called the hill of God and Saul's ancestral home. Verse 5 Now there was Saul, coming behind the herd from the field, and Saul said, What troubles the people, that they weep? And they told him the words of the men of Jabesh. Though Saul had taken office, he hadn't formed a government. Samuel hadn't retired yet and still served Israel as a high priest. The tribe of Jabesh cried out. I can only imagine they were thinking in a matter of days they would have only a left eye, left. Pun intended. You get it? Left eye, left. Never mind. Verse 6 Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news, and his anger was greatly aroused. God's Spirit temporarily came over others to give them the ability to perform certain tasks. For this purpose, righteous anger filled Saul. God knows that we get angry, even he gets angry. But, his desire is that we channel our anger constructively, not destructively. Verse 7 So he took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces, and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying, Whoever does not go out with Saul and Samuel to battle, so it shall be done to his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. Saul called to arms. 
He cut up the oxen and sent the pieces throughout all of Israel with a threat that if they weren't with him and Samuel, they were against them and they would be sliced and diced like those pieces. Verse 8 When he numbered them in Bezek, the children of Israel were three hundred thousand, and the men of Judah thirty thousand. Verse 9 And they said to the messengers who came, Thus you shall say to the men of Jabesh Gilead, Tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you shall have help. Then the messengers came and reported it to the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. Verse 10 Therefore the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out to you, and you may do with us whatever seems good to you. Verse 11 So it was, on the next day, that Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch, and killed Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it happened that those who survived were scattered, so that no two of them were left together. Saul launched a surprise attack on the Ammonites. He commanded the companies to attack at the same time in three different directions. The army sliced and diced from dawn until noon. Verse 12 Then the people said to Samuel, Who is he who said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men, that we may put them to death. There goes the Israelites being double-minded again. I see why God got sick of Israel. They were two-faced. One minute they were with you, and the next minute they were against you. Verse 13 But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. Saul contributed the wind to the Lord and didn't allow the people to inflate his ego. Verse 14 Then Samuel said to the people, Come let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. Verse 15 So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they made sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Peace offerings was a sacrifical offering made to enjoy peace with God. 1 Samuel, chapter 12, verses 1 through 24. Verse 1 Now Samuel said to all Israel, Indeed I have heeded your voice in all that you said to me, and have made a king over you. Verse 2 And now here is the king, walking before you, and I am old and gray-headed, and look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. I'm sorry, but I have to interrupt Samuel's speech. Now, I was with Samuel until he started talking about his sons. We already know that his sons are corrupt so he should have taken them with him into retirement. Verse 3 Here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed, whose ox have I taken, or whose donkey have I taken, or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed, or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. Verse 4 And they said, You have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. Verse 5 Then he said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. Samuel starts off reading his farewell speech by showing how he had served and continued to serve Israel prior to Saul coming on board. I tell you Hannah and Eli raised a good boy who grew into a nobleman. Too bad the same couldn't be said for both Eli and Samuel's sons. I'm not sure if it was that Eli and Samuel were inundated with serving God and didn't have time to raise their sons. God is firm with Eli in 1 Samuel chapter 2, serving him was not an excuse for not performing his duties as a father. We will discuss how Samuel became a high priest in a future podcast. Verse 6 Then Samuel said to the people, It is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron, and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Verse 7 Now therefore, stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord which he did to you and your fathers. Verse 8 When Jacob had him gone into Egypt, and your fathers cried out to the Lord, 
who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell the place. Verse 9 And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazer, into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. Verse 10 Then they cried out to the Lord, and said, We have sinned, because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and Ashtoreths, but now deliver us from the hand of our enemies, and we will serve you. Verse 11 And the Lord sent Jerubal, Bedan, Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelt in safety. Verse 12 And when you saw that Naash king of the Ammonites came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us, when the Lord your God was your king. Verse 13 Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. Samuel gives Israel the Lord's resume. I like how he keeps reminding them that they asked for a king to rule over them. Samuel and the Lord won't let Israel forget that they asked for a king. They will regret this request. Verse 14 If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice, and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. Verse 15 However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you, as it was against your fathers. Verse 16 Now therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Verse 17 Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain, that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord, in asking a king for yourselves. Verse 18 So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Verse 19 And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die, for we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. Verse 20 Then Samuel said to the people, Do not fear. You have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Verse 21 And do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. Verse 22 For the Lord will not forsake his people, for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Verse 23 Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Verse 24 Only fear the Lord, and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. Verse 25 But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Samuel tells the Israelites that God would bless them if they obeyed his commandments, but if they don't obey the commandments, there would be severe consequences. My thoughts, I'm sure Saul thought, God chose him knowing he was courageous and generous. One day he's looking for donkeys, and a seer tells him he's to be the king of Israel. Imagine how you would feel. I would have hidden too. He probably looked better than the neighboring kings, which would appeal to Israel. Nowadays leaders lead by making their people serve them, lord over them, and give orders, while they sit on their butts and reap the benefits. God sees leadership differently. According to God leaders are to lower themselves like a servant. A leader should know to lead with a pure heart, free of pride and arrogance. If we were to test all the leaders only a handful of leaders would pass, I've been under my share of leaders. The leadership style that I'm attracted to is the leaders who work alongside their people to get the job down. If you are a leader, what is your leadership style? If you're not a leader, how would you lead? Is there a leader who you admire and what do you like about them? Join me on the next podcast where Saul settles into kingship. Thanks for listening.